Aalto University Podcast. This is Cloud Reachers. I'm Tommy Kauppinen and today, fantastic David, welcome. What's up? Thank you, Tommy. Yes, I'm really thrilled to be here. Thanks yeah. for inviting. Yeah, finally we got this to to get going. Uh, let's talk about learning. So, um, I mean, we both know you have been super active in um, creating and, and co-creating also online learning settings. Um, but, uh, I mean, what is your insight after all of these uh, activities? Yes, I think it's an excellent question. And if I think about it, I think mostly boils down to student engagement and what student engagement is, how to facilitate student engagement. I think engagement is much stronger, much more important than the content itself. I think everybody can get the content they want through online sources and through other sources. But I think mostly it really boils down to getting people engaged and wanting to learn this content. And I think even in the online contest or especially in the online contest context, engagement is what we should all be thriving for. And mm-hmm. I think this is also where technology comes in and what the big value of this podcast is to give us ideas on yeah. on how to do or facilitate engagement. Mm. Uh, what brings you then to online? Because of course, engagement can be achieved in many, many different ways. But what brings you uh, to online learning? Yes, like thinking about engagement, then we can break it down a little more. And to me personally, engagement or engaging students is not really on upfront content delivery, but it's more about interaction, how to facilitate interaction. And there I think the online world gives us um, yeah, a huge amount of possibilities to step away from the upfront traditional lecture of somebody delivering one-way content to outsourcing this content or placing it in a different time sphere where students can, like, consume the content at their own speed in their own format and then freeing classroom precious classroom time um, to focus really on talking to students facilitating interaction among students and kind of making the purpose of a university of a physical university um, come true mm. so kind of flip that classroom kind of ideology also flip classroom ideology or also just classic discussions classic yeah. case discussions Um, just putting kind of content, potentially boring content into practice. Mm, mm. Isn't that funny? Because quite often, um, I mean, you hear this, that okay, online learning is uh, is just creating more distance between the students and the teacher or facilitator. So um, so that's a fantastic, it's, it's kind of opposite uh, uh, target. But um, if you think about... Uh, all different design features in courses. Uh, so which ones students appreciate the most in your experience? Yes, uh, I think the key design feature, if you can call it like this, is in my opinion, professionalism. I think if we look at online content, the competition is huge, right? Like we have to compete once we go online with Harvard, with MIT, any kind of renowned school that has online courses, the content isn't professional, 
we cannot compete against those. And then we com can compete or have to compete against procrastination, against other activities. If I come back to some survey I did with, um, in one of my courses um, a couple of times, I asked students, where do they actually consume this online content, these videos? Where do they watch it? And few students actually watch it at a desk in like a fitting learning environment, what at least I would describe as like a more classic approach. Many consume it in the train, in the tram, even in the car, listen to it in the podcast, consume it in gym. So the content has to be professional enough to get all these com competing influences um, out of these surroundings where, where people learn into the backseat and you know, create the engagement again with the content at hand. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so um, even if uh, teachers perhaps don't, or educators don't perhaps understand that people will consume the videos as podcasts, they will, they might, who knows? <laughs> exactly, I was quite surprised by, by hosting the survey. I didn't expect that all the results, I expected most would like sit there at home at their desk with a pen and, pen and paper <laughs> in their hand, but... That's not what people did. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Also comes to my mind uh, that what I've also heard from students is that many look at the videos uh, in very noisy environments where they cannot hear anything, right? So they appreciate captioning and, you know, it's, it's interesting. So it's, um, people are really uh, creative when they, when they consume all the, all the education media we um, produce. Uh, I know that you are a professional scripter uh, for your education videos. I mean, you, you are a professional script writer. So um, what is the benefit of preparing scripts? Yeah, it comes back to the professionalism, I think. Um, without a script, it's very hard to make a professional video. If you want to have a professional video, in my opinion, you, yeah, you cannot afford breaks, you cannot afford uhs and mm's, these kind of things that throw off the listener's attention. I think... Uh, An educational video has to be spot on. If it's not spot on, then attention drifts and then competing influxes like social media or just other people in gym or wherever people watch this video will gain the upper hand. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the script kind of gives you the opportunity to prepare this professional video in a way that it also sounds professional. And I think um, it's also something we talked about before. You talked about this paradox of, of scripting. Um, the interesting part is really that to be natural, to be perceived as giving like um, a lecture like in the classroom, you have to put a lot of effort into the pre-production stage of that of that video. Without that, I think you you just don't sound um, as professional or spot on as you would might want to, and as the student would be engaged with. Mm -hmm. uh, which brings me. Another question. So, how do you see body language? Should we also script the body language as well? Yes, I think body language is a huge part of our communication. I think um, that's probably clear to most of us. Um, and especially in, in the studio context, when like the lights are on and you're on stage, you easily forget about using your body. Or if you use your body, it might quickly look awkward. So, my At least in my personal um, experience, it makes a lot of sense to um, to yeah script specific movements such as counting, um, because in the stressful environment of the studio, one quickly forgets doing these, even though one practiced them before many many times. So once more, to be natural, one has to unnaturally script and write down everything one wants to do up front. 
I um, recently checked a study that said that body language is uh, around 50% of the communication. I think it's fantastic. And, um, and uh, then about the textual part, if you like, um, the verbal um, is only uh, 7%. And then rest is uh, all the tones. And I mean, everything that we can do also in the podcast, right? So uh, the pace and, and also the, also, I mean, basically the way you say something, right? Yes. That's, that adds up to 50%. So if you think about online learning materials, why on earth are so many materials are purely text, textual based? I mean, it's, it's kind of, of course, nice and, and useful. I mean, we are so used to books and everything, but, but we have to understand that it's, it's only part of the game. Yes, it's definitely only part of the game. I think one easy thing is it's cheap, right? You, it's, it's like easy to do. You just write the text and that's it. If you do videos, you start with the text, but it's just the beginning, and then you have a whole tale of additional content. So if you don't have um, the resources to do so, then maybe text is actually the, the most efficient way for you to work within the limited resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, let's talk about you. So um, what drives you? I mean, I've been waiting to ask this question. So what personally drives you in uh, teaching and learning? What what brings you motivation? What brings me the motivation is really the possibility to have an impact. I think the very few, few professions that allow you to have such a direct impact that you can also assess so immediately. So by creating a learning environment, by communicating with the learners, um, you can yeah pretty much instantly see whether you're strategy worked, whether it's successful. And then if you manage to create a proper learning environment, you can also be sure that you have an, yeah, a long-lasting impact um, mm. on somebody's life. And mm. I think this is really what, what drives me to, to invest into learning mm. as much as I do invest in research. What kind of, um, when you say impact, I think this is super, super interesting um, and important. How do you see what, what, kind of impact do you want to make in the life of the students? Do you want to create a better world or, I don't know, I don't want to give you the words, but... Uh, yeah, you... Maybe it's not about creating a better world, that might be a little bit too too distant, mm-hmm. but maybe opening new avenues of thought, maybe creating a more agile mindset, mm-hmm. maybe creating, also in line with our strategy maybe, a more creative mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that, that these kind of processes start during study time and they can be honed um, to so our students leave this university with, mm-hmm. with a different mindset from what they left in high school with and mm-hmm. like what many of us in the more traditional way left with. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I mean, this is... Uh, all the listeners, I mean, think about it. I mean, we, uh, we, we have to have, we should have uh, motivated uh, educators. I mean, otherwise... Because learning is so much about making a difference, right? Making a change, really creating this change, creating the impact. And, uh, and it all, all has to start from the educator being motivated herself or himself, right? Yes, very much agree. Um, I mean, talking about learning and making an impact, I mean, we have search engines. We have so much information. It's, it's of course, a cliché. You can Google or DuckDuckGo, you can find so many videos, educational videos in, in all these media platforms. Um, 
you can play games, educational games uh, in, in tons of different platforms and uh, learn about different things. Uh, do we need a university? Do we need modules, courses? And if yes, why are they needed? Yes, I've thought many times about this question myself. I think it's a very important question and also in Corona times even more important. So for me, a university is really a community, a community where people meet, a community where people yeah, enrich themselves, enrich their life, network, like yeah, maybe even find their partners. Um, yeah, it's a community that impacts people and supports people during their lifetime. So a university, I think, still has a purpose of being. Then looking on a little bit more micro level, so if we look at degrees, here I'm a little more doubtful whether degrees are actually um, what we should be producing or thriving at. Maybe the bachelor degree still has more purpose, but if we look already at the master degree, um, most of our business school master students, they don't even finish their degrees, right? They take four, five, six years, they work full-time next to them. So the companies don't really value these degrees anymore that much. Might be at a very late stage in the career that somebody asks, hey, what happened actually to your to, to your degree? Um, and then you can also look at the top companies like Google. I recently read that Google actually doesn't care about degrees anymore. You can actually score a job at Google by going through some certification program Google offers. So half a year versus five years of university experience, for example. Um, then why do we do this? Why do we create learning content? I think this is then the last part of the question. I again do believe that content delivered in modules like courses, this, this again has a purpose because for this we, we structure a learning experience, right? People can just take a book and read whatever, but they might not have the experience or they might not have the motivation to pull through with this. And as educators, this is, and as universities, I think this is our main role to create like buckets of content that are easily consumable um, for the learners that motivate people throughout this experience and maybe also enrich this content with more softer skills like interaction with others, building networks and so on. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You mentioned, uh, I want to go back, uh, you mentioned about community, right? Mm -hmm. So um, kind of uh, boiling down to the question, like what really helps to create this community? Is it university buildings or I'm also comparing now to you mentioned Google and their certification programs and, and kind of, I mean all these certificates that they deliver and then and over years you you get perhaps a job or you can perhaps get a get a some sort of um in similar as as what we would call a decree but uh, so what in your um opinion or what in your mind is like creating really this community or helping to create this community. And especially in these times when mm. buildings are kind of, you know, not usable at the universities because of the COVID. Yes. Well, I personally think physical space is core to creating communities, especially of people as diverse as students with different backgrounds, different interests. So on the, the university building, in my opinion, has the role of bringing these, these people together. Also, judging from my own experience of just taking online courses at, at Harvard or something, um, this community building of just online doesn't work that well. It's very hard to make people engage with each other if they don't see each other, if they don't know each other. Mm -hmm. So I think this, this physical element 
if that gets lost, then we to some degree have a problem in creating um, yeah, a community what is worth funding with tax money and, mm -hmm. and what is worth attending for students. Because otherwise, again, students can just take courses from, from Harvard to mm -hmm. edX or Coursera and, and enjoy world-class education like this. Mm -hmm. How do you see, um, I'm, I'm coming back to the idea of the buildings, uh, university buildings are supporting to create the community. Um, is it also the, all the activities happening there? I mean, obviously lectures, but then also student parties, uh, then this um, kind of opportunity to meet people by chance, essentially, in, in lunch, on lunch breaks. And, you know, so, uh, I mean, can we do something like that online? And, and if yes, how does it work? Mm -hmm. Yes, totally agree that it's of course not just the classroom but I think it's the physical element and maybe I'm a little pessimist here but um, I personally don't believe that you can move the whole university life online mm -hmm. um, I don't I think you lose something essential like the parties like this informal interaction the network building mm -hmm. in my opinion maybe also being a little seasoned and not being so active in social media it's rather yeah it's rather difficult to to create a level of trust mm. among people that, that is similar to what like you and me experience and students up yeah. to now experienced. Yeah, yeah. I, I so agree. I mean, I have, I have, I have seen uh, trust uh, developing also online, but, um, but it's so different. I mean, it's so easily online bubbles, social media bubbles, right? So while, while true um, surprises perhaps come when you, truly by accident meet people and, and you find out that you can you know, actually co-create things with uh, people from totally different bubbles or disciplines and and um, and of course their uh, active community building is so important like like events that bring people from uh, different disciplines together. Yes, I very much agree. And I think of course it will work. I think if you have a very narrow topic or interest then it can work with building these communities mm -hmm. because then you directly know what to talk about. But again, if you look at as diverse people as bachelor students or master students from all kinds of backgrounds with, with maybe not a hobby of doing business studies, but rather a need of doing business studies mm -hmm. um, or a career goal of doing business studies, it might, might be a little different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for here, I'm still waiting and, and ex experimenting of how one can yeah, establish communities like this that mm. feel the same. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, let's take it. I mean, I don't know. Perhaps podcast can play a role in their, I don't know, active listeners. Um, but hey, I want to go back uh, to to um, your profile essentially and and, and yourself. So, um, if you think back, uh, is there some, I don't know, perhaps some turning point, uh, something that made you think? Differently. I mean, it can be also about your personal life or in your working life, anything. When did you have a, I mean, some, some turning point? Yeah. Um, yeah, the main turning point, I think, I would pinpoint four or five years into my consulting career. Um, like exactly that moment, you know, when the learning curve kind of flattens and you start questioning what are you actually doing here? Um, or the excitement or the surrounding excitement of, of a new job is gone. 
at this stage, I think I, I had like a yeah career turning point where, where I felt I was almost suffocating by kind of a loss of purpose, um, kind of unsure what, what I want to do with my life. And just at this point, the thought came nagging in of like maybe going back to academia or starting an academic career. So I think yeah, this loss and and search for a new purpose is kind of this, mm. this this turning point. And it was really, yeah, professionally the moment when I didn't feel my job doesn't deliver this anymore. Mm. Funny. So uh, so actually you were, you needed that engagement, that feeling of engagement. And that brought you back to academia. Yes. I needed some more, yeah, feeling of engagement. Maybe also I started to value freedom a little more. I mean, I was a typical business student leaving university. It was like the idea of like making money and and um, doing whatever it takes to to do it. Um, but over time, I personally realized that for myself, I, I do need a certain level of freedom to really unfold myself and and um, yeah and and do be good at what I want to do and 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 be good yeah at at what I thrive to to be undertaking. Mm. That's awesome because I mean, I mean, I'm just uh, um, kind of looking at a uh, few things, uh, connecting few things that you said. So, you uh, yourself, your motivation to come back to the uh, academia was to get this engagement, and now in your teaching, you are actually giving that you value the engagement, giving the ex- engagement also to your students or ensuring that they get engaged with the learning. Right? Yes, that's my goal, and now. The generation, I guess, of online courses has just started. And I see it's, personally, I feel it's a little more difficult to create this level of engagement with just online interaction. Again, the community is suddenly gone. If you look at business students, many students are uh, not even the same study year. Some are in year four, some are in year one of their master's degree, some are in year 10 of their master's degree. So there are people at completely different stages of their life that somehow now need to be linked together to be engaged in completing these courses. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you um, yourself as a student? So um, have you learned something online lately? I mean, what did you learn basically last time? Yes, um, personally, I'm, I'm a summer professional cook. So I educate myself a lot in any kind of cooking, cooking-related content. It'd be the technique, the chemistry, the biology. So... Kind of the last most structured learning experience was through an edX course hosted by Harvard University, the Science of Cooking, and this course really, um, yeah, created an engaging enough learning environment to to pull through with it and learning about chemistry, always having the idea in mind what what can I do with this this new knowledge, which which I gained there, and mm-hmm. this course also kind of motivated me to create these these new asynchronous online courses here at Alto University because kind of felt like this is a course I, I personally want to to know something similar in the accounting field I want to offer to mm-hmm. to our students. You say it was asynchronous so were there no interaction between the students or? Um, the interaction was very little between students. Mm-hmm. Um, like most of the edX courses or the Harvard courses they have these discussion forums every now and then um, where after some content snippets you can discuss around a more applicable topic. 
mm -hmm. um, and try to engage. And if you actually care about this, this, the same content, like cooking, um, it was rather easy to then in these forums interact with people. Mm -hmm. What was missing, of course, well, not of course, but because there were thousands of students, you, you couldn't like keep a conversation going throughout the course with the same people because the comments just kept flooding in. So mm -hmm. It was more like maybe a Twitter kind of experience mm -hmm. rather than actual interaction with people. Mm -hmm. But was it uh, was the design so that there were a bunch of people starting at the same time, the course? No, people started uh, at whatever time they wanted ah, to really? start. Okay. Um, but there were enough people starting yeah. at any point in time that yeah. that you always hit these forum discussions with some people um, Yeah, at a similar time. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, uh, this I mean, just came to my mind it's, uh, to ask... Um, Do you feel that there is somebody that answers, answered perhaps your questions or you answered some of the questions that is there some other students that you could, you feel that you could perhaps exchange thoughts also later on, this kind of network I, effect or? Yeah, I probably would have liked that, but this wasn't possible, I think, in, in this kind of particular setup because mm. people started at, the, at different times. So it wasn't really about building mm. the community as such, you mm -hmm. just felt you're part of like this this movement towards mm -hmm. understanding the science of mm -hmm. cooking. But mm. I don't know. Perhaps this could be something to think of. I mean, something to bring into these courses. Really think, what does it mean to be an alumnus of of a course, right? Exactly. And I think if we are now speaking about Alto University, we'll probably never have thousands of students from all over the world. Taking, taking our courses. So we, yeah, we have the luxury of having, who knows, okay. Yeah. But I think we have the luxury to, to have a tighter community, mm -hmm. um, mostly mm -hmm. situated in Finland, which already has a quite tight culture and mm -hmm. like a similar cultural yeah, foundation on what one can build mm -hmm. connections on. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, it will be easier mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. to leverage these, these, the, yeah, these, these background effects. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about uh, possible alumni events for such a cooking course. I mean, it could be something like, let's cook over two, right? I mean, let's mm. do something together. I mean, even in, in this uh, online and remote times. Exactly. Maybe this yeah. can also be in accounting. Let's do accounting together. And <laughs> Why not? Why not? And perhaps they are actually doing it at some mm. point in their career, but only with few people. But uh, with the bigger community, perhaps they could ask for help uh, in you know, bigger circles. Yes, of course. I like think that's they, the value of a network at, mm -hmm. that, that you gain through the university. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's so different. I mean, if you have the network of people, it's uh, you send a, a easy easy message to one of the or preferred channels and, and uh, you get an answer. It's, it's amazing. Yep. It's just amazing how it works. Um, hey, talking about community and... Um, co-creation, collaboration, critical thinking, feedback, and um, all of these, uh, this is, these are essentially, uh, I mean, four C's uh, of the future of learning. Um, added perhaps uh, with, uh, by, by, of course, funding uh, that, is, that is needed um, uh, for education development. How do you see um, um, all the online learning that you have been part of And uh, all these education development activities. What, what is what is valuable? What is how do you see the value of them? Yeah, 
if I would describe auto online learning, maybe it, I would describe it kind of as a democracy or something of, of learning. I think what's great about it is that everybody's equal. You know, your idea matters. It doesn't matter like who you are, where you come from. Um, any idea that, that is supportable is supported. If, if you're a PhD student, I mean, you, you supported my first idea and my second PhD year, which I was quite surprised by. Um, or if you're like a senior professor, I think you're, everybody's judged equally. And once you're part of this community, you're also an equal member um, with your, your galas or, or the courses you, you, you're hosting. Anybody can teach in your network if you have something to tell to others. And I think this is extremely valuable and important because um, it also goes away from, from this, um, this risk of community becoming outdated or kind of running into the same direction without reflecting if this direction is right because you are able to constantly recruit new ideas new talent mm -hmm. from from every path mm -hmm. of of online learning or every career path of online learning mm. that's great to hear because i mean if i if i um if i may it's uh my idea of the university is size uh, is uh, some sort of crazy mix of the what the Athens, I mean, people in Athens were doing. I mean, basically, discussion, 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 democracy at the core of all the discussions. And then, of course, um, we combined with all the modern technology and, uh, and buildings and spaces, what, what, what they can offer, I mean, what they perhaps didn't have, right? Yes, but I think... If you put it into the Athens democracy, I guess we are all citizens of Arto. So oh, yeah, yeah. as a citizen, we have equal rights, right? Yeah. So our voice counts equally. Exactly, exactly. This is really and, the great and, thing about this program. Yeah. And ideas count. I mean, if you have a good idea, welcome. If you don't, we help you to get the idea, to create the idea, right? Yeah. To get inspired. Yes, and I think it's also so important because... Um, Engagement with creating learning environments is so scattered around the university. You know, there, there are not that many people who um, really invest a lot of soul into this. So it's it's great to meet these people from the different schools to actually manage to create a community rather than looking in one's own department or in one's own school for these people. It made makes sense for such a for now niche topic to to combine forces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Having this. Themes that are truly um, cross-cutting uh, themes online learn in online learning, video production, virtual reality, and so on. Yeah, and it's also something that not many universities have, and I think this is no, no. a key strength of Alto. We yeah. think that we're also competing for students and credits and so on. Yeah. Um, I think we have a great competitive advantage over most other yeah. European schools. Yeah, man. Sure. Uh, I would say even worldwide, I have I've heard many nice words from uh, from universities around the top level universities uh, saying that uh, that we have achieved to do something that they haven't. For example, in in terms of uh, creating a community among educators mm. or creating augmented and video uh, virtual reality, mixed reality uh, contents. Because yes. I mean, if you only have a certain platform, Beat Moodle or edX or whatever. You know, it's a platform. It's it mm. might actually uh, restrict your ideas, your yep. creativity. So, yes, I think you need to bundle as a university, like you did, mm. 
to bundle forces, bundle resources mm. um, across the different schools to be able mm. to host these experiences. Mm. Every school by itself couldn't do this. They couldn't afford a mini studio or mm. or or like the infrastructure we have at our yeah. learning center. That's true. That's true. But uh, your uh, the script writing uh, training that you have offered to our community and which we have welcomed you, it, it has been very highly value, valued and, and super valuable. I mean, people have learned a lot and I think the result is that we have better education videos. People are better prepared and... Yes, and I, thanks first of all for, for giving this feedback. And um, I think it's also important to conserve resources, right? If we think about SCAR studio resources and mm. um, the people on SCAR, SCAR staff resources, I think the script is what saves most money in... Absolutely. Increasing productivity for everybody involved. Mm, mm. Yeah, reduces hassling uh, in the studio. And mm. I mean, there is freelancers and they time is super valuable as well. And I'm not talking about uh, money and funding, but I mean, actual actual time that people have. And if you can yep. make it professionally, then why not? Mm. Mm. Um Talking about uh, online learning and, and uh, especially the, in these challenging times, now everything is, has moved uh, in six months uh, to remote teaching, remote learning. Of course, luckily we have been perhaps a bit more prepared with on the online learning uh, materials and, and uh, designs. But uh, how do you see uh, the future of learning? Uh, what is your vision for future of learning? Mm. Personally, I believe lear- learning is a lot of a lot about experiencing. I think mm. if we if we look back at our our roots, like as little children, as babies, um, we learn through multi-sensory input of experiencing the world. And I think this can be directly applied to the educational context, even the business school context. So I think we can take experiential learning further and make it more widely available to to others by using technology. Because traditionally, I think if you look at experiential learning, it's either in the business studies, either a case study, so written document, which is quite far away from actually experiencing a company, or it's taking students to a company, for example, which is resource intensive. Mm-hmm. And now in COVID times, basically impossible to do. And if we now look at the technological possibilities we have, I think we can actually move the classroom into companies. If we now, for example, look at um, virtual reality or augmented reality, Um, we now have cheaply available um, platforms that allow us to give a lecture inside a company hall, right? Inside a production unit um, and talk where yeah, where the theory is actually happening about the content. Mm-hmm. So I think like this one can create an environment um, where, where we can link, make these serendipitous um, cross-linkages be- between um, yeah, the different sensory inputs we have and, and um, the different experiences we all have. Mm-hmm. So really creatively thinking about what this space means, what these buildings mean. Can we use them as backgrounds or contextualize different theories and application of them to... to exactly. That's the first step. And then maybe the second step, maybe one can even build a community if, if our teaching is for, for longer time limited um, to the online realm. Maybe one can even with virtual reality create these online personas with which one then more easily can interact and mm. and, and can um, connect. Mm. Perhaps also space, so you can go to different 
rooms to meet accidentally people. I mean, look at games. I mean, they are happening online. I mean, they have mm. also, you know, created rooms and, and spaces for meeting kind of accidentally other players. Should we do something like that also in yes in universities? I think one of the biggest problem now with, with Corona, with universities, is this lack of coincidental connections, of yeah. running into people, of talking, um, being creative together. Mm. I think there's a huge risk of this creativity being lost and mm. people yeah, becoming lonely mm. at, at their home offices. Um, at least their, their professional, their pr- professional identity becomes quite isolated and, and lonely. I think technology can and should be utilized to to counter this mm-hmm. this um, yeah creeping loneliness and mm-hmm. potential risk of losing creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you lose creativity, then and and if you lose communication, if you lose collaboration, critical thinking, well, what do we have? I mean, it's uh, it's scary. Exactly. So, yeah. So let's bring uh, all the fantastic. Um, Technologies, but also uh, the understanding of how to create communities to 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 in use uh, uh, and create a better well, create a better world. I mean, if you like. Yes, very much agree. Mm. The um, I have final question in mind. So, uh, and we, by the way, ask this uh, from all the guests. Um, so, cloud reaches. I mean, it's. It means uh, the uh, name of the podcast um, about uh, some reaching out some dreams, some ideas, something that is not yet there, but it's it's could be there or should be there. Uh, so, if you think about your own field or or fields, if you like, uh, so who would be uh, the cloud reacher in your field? Yeah, I think it's definitely a difficult question. I- First of all, I think if we really talk about cloud reachers, I really want to mention that the Aola program is, I think, a true cloud reacher in the way that it kind of created something unheard of. As said before, democratized the the, the creation of, of learning content and and um, yeah, gave everybody the possibility to do so. So I think I want to keep it more on the institutional level, what this is. If we look more at the field of accounting, um, one person that directly comes to my mind is Natasha Sherbloom, with with whom I've created or co-created one of my most recent online courses. And she's a recent master graduate and already, um, despite not even being interested in academia, um, quite advanced in in online learning, creating online activities and so on. So I think she's probably, yeah, at the stage of her career, a true cloud reacher in this regard. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'll, uh, I'll invite uh, her to be a guest in the one of the future episodes. Good to hear. Yeah, yeah. That that would be fantastic. Hey, David, thanks so much. This was a great, great pleasure. It was fantastic to hear about all of your experiences and insight. Yes, Dominic, thank you for inviting. It was really great to be here. And I'm looking forward to the next season of Cloud Reachers. Yeah, absolutely. And welcome anytime again. Uh, let's uh, let's check uh, the let's have a checkpoint meeting uh, in the one of the future episodes about Sounds the next good. steps. Thanks for sharing your stories. Truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks all. Um, so this was Cloud Reachers episode with David Derricks. Uh, I'm Tomika Oppinen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care. Ciao.